Hi, Wallace. Hi, Michelle. <laughs> oh, I am. Allergies in LA. Reproductive rights. Okay. Just <laughs> crumbling around us. We are here. I like the I am statement. How are you? I am. <laughs> I am. We are. We are. <laughs> we are. And dear listeners, welcome to the 12th house. We hope that you are okay. Or just are. We're glad you are. <laughs> We're glad you are. <laughs> that we are all together <laughs> in this crazy multiverse. It's crazy out there. <laughs> Absolutely mad lads out there. I mean, Mercury RX. Okay, show wait. up. Has your Mercury RX been absolutely batshit because mine has been absolutely absolutely batshit so far bonkers i also <laughs> went in i was like oh yeah perfect time to review all the things i'm ready and then it was like bam <laughs> just hitting me in all the places i didn't expect we all like talked about it so thoughtfully on tuesday in our meeting about mercury retrograde and yet nevertheless the mercury retrograde persisted she does what she wants. She has no master. Her master certainly is not me. No, <laughs> nor I. She's creative. And, you know, we are here to talk about the lives of creatives here. We are. We are indeed. This is our second episode. We're talking about being creative and the systems that come with creativity, which honestly sounds antithetical, maybe. You like systems, creatives, those don't go together. It's like he who shall not be named our systems <laughs> for creatives. <laughs> You're like yeah. habits, rules, <laughs> no schedules. Don't talk I'm, a to crea- me. I'm intuitive. I'm creative. I'm flowy. I don't yeah. need that stuff. That's rigid. Yeah. No, 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 no. We're here to maybe change your mind about that. Because first off, systems should not be rigid. That's the opposite of the point of them. Systems ideally reflect the systems we see in nature. So they are organic, they're flexible, they're intuitive, they're regenerative, they have zero waste and zero redundancy. They're kind of sexy. Yeah, I was like, sounds <laughs> great. <laughs> Let's just melt into that. But we have got a little bit of a kind of show for you guys today. <laughs> We've come to the pod with some of our favorite, most interesting anecdotal tidbits of habits and routines that artists of the past have created for themselves, which have allowed them to do the work that they do. This kind of came from system, our system spells class, which we're, we're teaching actually an intensive version. It's like a deep dive, just two days. We're going to go through everything in 48 hours. So if you are a binger, this is going to be for you. But in our system spells class, we talk about two of my favorite prolific creators, Kendrick Lamar and Joan Rivers. And both of them have these like amazing, (laughs) incredible systems that they use that are not rigid at all to take notes, to stay inspired and I'm going to leave that for class if you want to learn more about them because they're we spent quite a bit of time on it. But this is my secret obsession. I just like want to know every ritual, every practice of like prolific makers because I want to be a prolific maker and I'm just always inspired and I, it makes me giddy. <laughs> like doing that. I like read a whole book just to research this podcast episode because I was like, this is so fun. I love this stuff. Also, what we'll share the book in the show notes, but 
one of the things we were talking about before we hit record is that sometimes artists themselves don't even identify or creatives or makers don't identify certain habits they have as rituals. They don't necessarily see them as like systems. Mm -hmm. So in a, in this book, which I haven't read, but I have heard about from you, what's cool is having somebody distill some of the similarities and pull out like, Oh, actually that habit and routine that you have sounds like it's really helpful for you to get into your flow state. So sometimes people aren't even aware of the things that they're doing. Exactly. And I think actually that really applies to people with squiggly brains or ADHD because we tend to create an environment around us that helps us thrive and function. And that usually means that we need certain rituals or certain specific environmental factors, either internal or external environmental factors. Like if you're in a bad mood, maybe you can't create something. So you need to get yourself in a good mood to be creative. We do that so that we can rely on our creativity, which is not always, is fickle, right? Like, and a lot of what I took away from this book and just learning about creatives is it's a creativity is a habit and creation is a habit. And it, all the best you can do is to just show up and like you might make really bad work one day, but if you just keep showing up over and over again, what you can rely on is that habit or ritual, that magic that's there to get you going and keep you going. When things feel really hard, like when I'm depressed um, and really going through it, I can rely on my systems to help me like keep going Mm -hmm. when I really, really don't want to. And I'm grateful for them. It's not like I'm slogging through it. It's like, oh, thank God I have something to anchor me in this storm. Yeah. And I think one thing that I've noticed through learning more about these different creators' habits is, to your point, it's that follow through. It's the execution that separates good artists from great artists. Mm. Like so many of us have so many ideas that we just don't execute on. And if you can figure out what the habits are that put you in a position to execute and release that perfectionism more easily, that really puts you ahead. And not that you're in competition with other people. It's really about you and you. Yeah. But yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And it's actually like not at all self-discipline. Like self-discipline has nothing really to do with it. It's more just like set, putting yourself in the right position. Like mm-hmm. Jackson Pollock, I won't probably talk about him too much, but he was like an, a total alcoholic, right? And like kind of not a great guy. But his wife, Lee, she was like, you're an alcoholic, but you're going to be a really good painter. So we're moving to Long Island. We're moving to the small fishing village. I'm going to wake you up. I'm going to make your breakfast. I'm going to do create the perfect environment for you basically so you don't fucking kill yourself with alcohol and so you can start making something. And that that period of his life was his most prolific and it was when he started making what he's famous for now, the style that he's famous for now. So sometimes like your system, <laughs> your ritual, your practice, like it's it almost hinges on like the help that you can get around you. Like he picked her for a reason, right? Behind um, every good man <laughs> there's Is a way even better woman <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> running shit <laughs> exactly i know she really doesn't get the credit she deserves and also like a little bit of a misogynistic and patriarchal take but also hopefully proves the point that like we don't have to just be like these 
self-firing engines all the time, like set up your world around you to help keep you going when you have no fuel left, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, even for me, the difference now of, of working at a co-working space and working at home, yeah. I'm like, all right, my house can't be messy because it'll just distract me. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good really example. It's also really hard to keep it clean when you're home all day. <laughs> oh my gosh, why is my house a thousand times messier when it's just me like literally sitting on the couch. Every single cabinet in my kitchen is open right now. I know it. it. It's insane. (laughs) I'm like, how did I do this? I've been mostly working. How did I do this within these hours? Like I truly, I think I've made, I've done like 300 steps today. Like that's it. Uh, Who knows? Honestly, it's a talent. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it's impressive. You might be hearing a lot of this talk about system spells and wondering, what is this? What is that? System spells is our class under the Notion for Magical Bodies universe where we teach you, squiggly-brained listeners like us, how to use systems to help you thrive so you can feel like you have your shit together, which is a really nice way to feel, honestly. A lot of what we teach in this class is about how to set up systems for your business, but it doesn't start and stop there. It can be for any part of your life. And it's really to help you organize and streamline processes in your life that you feel might be holding you back from getting the things done that you want to get done. Exactly. I'm not a naturally organized, clean, tidy, deliberate, disciplined person. I'm just not. I have ADHD. I'm intuitive. I'm really creative. And I'm good at a lot of other things. Organization is not one of them. And in order to run your own business or go do things in the world, you kind of have to be able to follow through, you know? So the whole point of the system spells class is to teach those of us who are not naturally really good at these things, who don't like to use a Google calendar, who've never kept up with a planner in their lives, how to stay on track and actually build systems that work for us in our brains rather than work against us. And we've heard from so many of our alumni that this class has literally changed their lives, which is the highest compliment. So we mentioned that throughout and we actually have a system spells intensive coming up on June 18th and June 19th. Instead of taking the class over two weeks, you'll take it over two days. So if you love to binge on Netflix, or you love to binge this podcast, you will absolutely love our System Spells Intensive. You can sign up at notionforbaddies.com. Well, Well, (laughs) let's talk about our people. I I have so many. We'll go one for one. (laughs) I have so many. Okay. I'm going to start with Toni Morrison. Toni Morrison woke up every morning at 5 a.m., made coffee, and watched the light come. And she said that that part was very crucial. Her quote is, writers all devise ways to approach that place where they expect to make the contact, where they become the conduit, or where they engage in this mysterious process. For me, light is the signal in the transaction. It's not being in the light. It's being there before it arrives. It it, it enables me in some sense. And throughout her creative life, you know, she's had this incredible creative life, but she had very different rituals, but that was the one that she always kept waking up every morning at 5 a.m., coffee, and watching the light. That's beautiful. I love that. Sets the tone for her day. Do you know if she wrote after that? It depends on mm. the time of her life that she did because right. she also worked in publishing. But yeah, sounds like that was when she was most creative. Yeah, there are a lot of themes, I think, that we found, which we'll talk about at the end. But I'm going to do a story to counter the early riser. <laughs> <laughs> 
So this is Willem and Elaine de Kooning. You probably know de Kooning's, especially in New York. There's some in LA. He's like big sculptures of dogs that look like balloon animals. He's quite famous for those. And among- Oh, wait, no, that's Jeff Koons. <laughs> I was like, mm. Sorry. De Kooning is a painter. <laughs> yeah, but he is famous for like large format and this in New true. York and LA. This is true. <laughs> I take it back. So his wife, Elaine, is also a painter. And they were not morning people. They were like, no, that's not for us. They that. would wake up around 10 or 11 a.m., And then they would immediately gulp down several cups of strong coffee. And then they would start painting essentially pretty much right away. And then they would maybe break in the afternoon for, I read this thing that said more coffee, maybe lunch. And then they would eat dinner with friends. But I really like that they really own the fact that they're like, no, 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 we're not morning people. So that's not happening for us. We'll get up and then we'll go straight to the studio because that's what will work for us. But we don't need to follow a certain routine that other people are, are following just because. There were a bunch of artists that are like are very similar to that. Actually, David Hockney mm. would drink until like very late. Oh, yeah. Lots of drinkers. <laughs> Lots of drinking. And then when he woke up, he would wake up sometimes early, early, sometimes at 10. And then he would just get started. I like that. You don't have to be an early bird. But my next person is an early bird. And I... Love Maya Angelou. Um, mm. She says, easy reading is damn hard writing. And mm-hmm. she would keep a hotel room in her hometown and pay for it every month. Yes. Like she was paying rent on it, which is actually so smart. So smart. And she'd go at 6.30 in the morning. She'd have a bedroom with a bed, the table, and the bath. And a dictionary, a thesaurus, and a Bible. A pack of cards and some crossword puzzles. Mm, something to cards. occupy her. She says, something to occupy my little mind. I think my grandmother taught me that. She didn't mean to, but she used to talk about her quote-unquote little mind. So when I was young, from the time when I was about three until 13, I decided there was a big mind and a little mind. The big mind would allow you to consider deep thoughts and the little mind would occupy you so you could not be distracted. It would work crossword puzzles or play solitaire while the big mind would delve into the subjects I wanted to write about. I mean, she's totally right. (laughs) I love that. We actually have evidence for this. Deep work, extended mind theory. She had all the paintings and the decorations taken out of the room and asked no one to disturb her. And then she would, you know, she'd get there at 6.30. She'd, you know, putz around and she'd usually be out by two, go home, read what she'd written and then try to edit and clean things up. And that was it. That was her process. I just love that idea of like, yeah, sometimes you have to go play solitaire for a couple hours or do some crosswords, but you sit at your desk while you do it, you know? She's curating her environment there. She's setting herself up for success. Mm-hmm, She's exactly. like, I don't want to be distracted by the paintings or the sculptures. <laughs> exactly. Like, And also knowing what is the right kind of distracting versus the wrong kind of distracting, right? Mm-hmm. Like crosswords, puzzles, well, that's little mind distracting and that's yeah. good. But the other stuff, not so much. Well, and that the little mind will inform the, what is it? Bigger mind? Big mind? Mm-hmm. The big mind, Yeah at the right times with the right information. Exactly. I like that a lot. Okay. My next person is, I'm going to use Agnes Martin. Yes. Who is quite a character and is known for large, beautiful, modern, very precise pieces of work 
She did a lot of painting. She did drawing as well. And she talks a lot about her studio practice and how sacred it was and important for her to be alone because she would show up every day. Sometimes she would lie on the floor and she would ask for inspiration. She would say, what do I paint today? What am I making today? And I, I just love that she would enter without a lot of expectations of making something so specific. And she also was very, I guess, controlled about the environment. She has this quote, a studio is not a place in which to talk to friends. You will hate your friends if they destroy the atmosphere of your studio. So I think what I take from that is being around the right people to Mm -hmm. help you or and maybe that means no one but maybe sometimes that means people who help you get into action and who inspire you Mm -hmm. agnes martin was a very solo artist and really believed that the best ideas would come to you when you were alone and quite extreme about her tidiness and her organization and keeping a clean studio and i think it was she related it to like a clean studio, a clean mind, and more access to the higher mind and um, higher inspiration when you're not kind of busied with things around you. I personally resonate with that because it's mm-hmm. true for me in terms of space. I'm very, very sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. But I also think that that can be a slippery slope if you're a little bit too rigid. That reminds me of a couple things. First, Fellini. Mm was famously a very like had to be social and had to be around people because he was like writers are so lucky they can just like write yeah put their head down but like directors can't because like we need people and we need to like be around people and see people and hear people mm-hmm. so to your point yeah you need to be around the right people mm-hmm. it also makes me think of tom Sachs' 10 bullets and oh, his yes. idea of like always be we'll put the video it's really long it's like 21 minutes but it's amazing like it's mm-hmm. so worth watching and especially the always be nulling which is bullet number eight <laughs> so good. So good. i'm gonna make a note of this <laughs> I haven't watched that in a long time. It's so good. I used to date an art teacher, and I he may, always made his high school class watch it. Aww. And it's just so good. <laughs> it's so useful for like a, someone who's beginning a practice. It's like it reminds me of mise en place, which we also talk about mm-hmm. in system spells. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of overlap there. I like that idea of directors. Like you need to be stimulated and be around people and be. That's why, for the most part, even if I'm not at a co-working place. I like to be at a coffee shop and just overhear conversations and be kind of stimulated by just looking at people. So you just got to know thyself. It's true. And I mean, like as the content queen coming up with the ideas and the pitches, like you, you, it's important for you to like hear what other people are talking about. Yeah. And I feel like when I'm writing, like mm. when I'm writing copy stuff, I need to just like be in my house in my pajamas, like yeah, head that's down. different. <laughs> totally. Can't be interrupted. Like, yeah, it's it just depends. Okay, yeah. I have a, an, another one who I think you'll like. So this is Anne Rice. She wrote Interview with the Vampire, amongst many other books. Mm-hmm. And I actually just love her. <laughs> I love her so much after reading about her rituals. So she said, I certainly have a routine, but the most important thing when I look back over my career has been the ability to change routines. She Ooh. has kids. And she said, I just found it. I found when I had the time when I could concentrate and think the best, it changed. Uh, at first, it was when she 
like when she was younger, she had to be alone in the middle of the night without the phone, without friends calling, without her husband, and then her children being asleep. And then once her son, um, her sons were born, she had to make the big switch to doing daytime rating. And mm-hmm. that's what she does now. But I love this. She's like, my ritual is like, I wake up late and I read the newspaper and then I check Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, <laughs> I'm a modern woman. Exactly. And then she writes emails and then she starts writing and she writes until like, you know, the early afternoon. And then she, you know, sing- says that she takes breaks to stretch her legs, look out the window and drink a quote unquote massive amount of Diet Coke on ice. And then in the evening, she watches TV or a movie to relax. That works best for me right now. And there were many times when I couldn't write until the evening. And that's worked fine too. It's always just a search for an uninterrupted three or four hour stretch. I just like that. Like she's like, you know, it's not really precious. <laughs> like I'm just trying to get some interrupted time, uninterrupted time. It's all workable. Mm-hmm. And rice, a Zen philosopher. <laughs> right. As long <laughs> as she's got her ice and Diet Coke. Yeah. She's good. <laughs> well I, again, you gotta know what your what your non-negotiables are. And from there you're good. Spoiler, but some of the themes among a lot of these artists, lots of caffeine, lots of sugar. <laughs> yes. And weirdly, like the same food, like this, this same. Cigarettes. <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really like the same lunch every day, the same breakfast mm-hmm. every morning. Routine. Like that was really important for a lot of people. Yeah. David Lynch, who's notoriously a weird guy, but also a (laughs) transcendental meditator. I found this note about him eating the same lunch and dinner every day, except for sometimes with dinner, he would add a soup. And a wild and crazy guy. (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) I, I just thought this was a very specific sandwich. It was, oh, sorry. It's an open face. It's not even a sandwich. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) One piece of bread with mayo and chicken. Okay, that sounds disgusting. (laughs) Not really my vibe, but, (laughs) you know, everyone has... Is it chicken shredded? Yeah. Is it canned chicken? Ew, I hope not. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. That's true. The other funny thing about David Lynch, so he was one of those people, I think, who was really aware of being interrupted in his flow. So he, I found this quote where he said, I considered psychoanalysis to talk about these cycles of things like repetitive lunches. <laughs> I asked the therapist, could meeting you affect my creativity? And he said, I have to be honest, it could. Mm-hmm. And I said, thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. I mean, And so his, his obsessive approach is what allowed him not to condone that. We love therapy. Yeah. I mean, he's found a way to make his dysfunction functional. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing. Like, I wouldn't say any of these people are like super balanced, super healthy. What is Necessarily, right? But like, but who is exactly? Like, Mm -hmm. we're all dysfunctional in our own ways. Like, I got ADHD. I got the, I got epilepsy. I got all the things. Like, I got to just work with this dysfunctional system that I have and like make it as, I don't know, (laughs) finely tuned as I possibly can. And that might look weird to some people. Yeah. Yeah. And um, actually to that point, Patty Smith, one of her routines is she talks about she gets up early, she goes to a cafe. Let me just read the quote. I think having my routine is really helpful for me. I get up early, go to a cafe, or if I don't have a cafe, I go to my desk or somewhere early in the morning, a coffee, 
Preferably when the city is sleeping, when people are sleeping, you seem to own the universe and spend some time with yourself writing. Um, And that's what you need to make a habit. And I think what I like in the way that she talks about her habit of writing is she describes it as a discipline and as labor. And I know that word discipline sometimes we're like, but I like that she describes it as labor because it's taking it one very seriously and also understanding that you need the right nourishment. You need sleep to feel good. You also Mm -hmm. afterwards will be tired. It takes a lot of energy to have creative output, whatever your medium. So I just think that that was a nice reminder of that your creative efforts and output is labor. Mm -hmm. So not only should we be, of course, paid for that labor, like we talk about in creators cashing in especially but also that we should give it that respect for ourselves and for other people oh it's so true and that's such a good point because we can feel exhausted at the end of the day and we're like it's not like i'm like toiling in the hot (laughs) sun you know i'm not like picking strawberries or something like I'm, i'm not a day laborer but i'm exhausted and like i'm spent and it's like my brain feels like it's been like wrung out and I think that's why so many of these people have the same sort of rep, they have repetition in their lives, things that they do not need to think about because every sort of decision that you can sort of cut out of your, of your life as a creative person means that you'll have more power and decision-making process in the actual work that matters for you. So if you waste your decision-making on like, should I get a poppy seed bagel or or a sesame seed bagel today? Um, it sounds silly, but that will, that'll like peter you out earlier when it comes to the actual, maybe more exciting creative work that you're here to do, like your sacred work. Absolutely. Even the task of being like, what am I going to have for lunch? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which it makes so much sense. It's also why so many of these people wear the same thing over and over again. Like these Mm -hmm. insanely creative, visionary, colorful people have a uniform of all black. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, Mm, that's not the most important thing to me. Like I can, ex- I'm expressing myself through my art. I don't need to express it necess- myself through my clothing necessarily. But I think Twyla Tharp, she's a choreographer, such a good example. She says a, da- a dancer's life is all about repetition. I repeat the wake up. She basically wakes up every morning at 530. She puts on her workout clothes, which is like so cute. Cause she's also like in her eighties now, her leg warmers, her sweatshirt and a hat. And then she goes and hails the ca- a taxi to take her to her gym where she works out for two hours, like stretching and doing some light weightlifting. But she says, the ritual is not the stretching. It's not the weight training. The ritual is the cab. The moment I tell mm. the driver where to go, I have completed the ritual. And it's like, oh, yes, that's exactly right. Because when we talk about systems, we almost talk about it like water falling down a, a mountain, right? And like the path that that water carves to help it flow more smoothly in the right direction. It's more about the amount of work that we don't have to do than the work that we have to do. Systems should eliminate as much work as possible. And that is right. Once you get in the car, it's like, great, now I'm uh, now I'm on. Like now I'm on track for the rest of the day. I don't need to worry because I've got my ritual. And I just love that. And it's like everything that happens afterwards will be for the most part or for a few hours automatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And she's a very prolific choreographer. Yeah. She's done so much. 
I love that. I also love that she's doing that into her 80s. I, know, I hope it. she is. Yeah. I mean, she also wrote an amazing book called The Creative Habit. It's really fucking long, mm. but it's really good. Add it to the list. Guess what? We have not a not sponsored. This is sponsored. By. Actually sponsored by <laughs> the lovely, lovely, aesthetically pleasing and wonderfully built meditation app open. Truly the best, the best meditation app. Kind of BFFs. <laughs> obsessed with them. I actually like wrote yeah. a full white paper on open <laughs> like a year ago. We saw them. We were like, this is sexy. Mm-hmm. This is the future. And they also have recently added a ton of new content. They have a bunch of series talking about the science of breath work. And they also have daily meditations. They have sleep meditations. They have new movement classes. And honestly, sometimes caffeine's not going to do the trick. Like you just can't have more caffeine in a day. <laughs> so sometimes you really just need to do a little meditation, a little breath work. And you can do it on your PEMF mat. You can do it in your your sauna. sauna. (laughs) You can do it in your bed. I mean, if you're a squiggly brain person, you're going to love open because everything about the experience keeps you engaged. It's like all said gorgeous. And the music Mm -hmm. is so good. And all the teachers are amazing. Like they're also gorgeous. They're also, I think think you have to be attractive to work there. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's the meditation, man. Maybe meditation makes you glow. I mean, breath work is good for everything. It must be good for your skin. It's got to. So you can actually try it for free. This is a good deal. <laughs> Seriously. such a good deal. It's actually like a crazy deal. It's 30 free days. You can use code holisticism with the link in our show notes. And honestly, you should join us. And it's just a great way to just do a little reset. Have the skin glow a little more. Amen. Yeah, try it for free. You've got nothing to lose, right? Except for your sanity. But <laughs> <laughs> you already lost it. You're already completely unhinged. Yeah. Can't say enough great things about open so download the app you can use code holisticism with the link in our show notes i will bring up shonda rhymes i think i was talking about this on another 12th house podcast and she has a i actually really liked her masterclass mm-hmm. and i watched it ages ago but what i really took from it is her morning habit of reading i think she reads like 20 different news sources or 10 or something all over the world because she enjoys the practice, but it really contributes to her work in a huge way. And and she's like, this sets me up to write all day. How could she write scandal if she's not reading 10 different newspapers every day? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So she's constantly just amassing material. And I think there's, you know, other than the fact that you can get really depressed really quickly. <laughs> like, <laughs> like really take your day down. <laughs> yeah. I think what's nice about that for her is she has a place to channel it. Mm-hmm. So I think as creators and people who are, even if you're not necessarily writing, you inevitably have to write to market yourself Mm -hmm. and to always be kind of gathering inspiration makes it so much easier to not write from a blank page which is why we talk about the second brain so much in system spells and i think second brain has been really really revolutionary for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and i can't help but wonder how shonda stores all of her notes she didn't share that yeah, I would love to know her her note storage system. Shonda Collis. Also, she is just such a fountain of wisdom and knowledge oh, and yeah. like awareness. Yes. I heard her talking about parenting and oh. she was like, every time you see me doing something great, that means that I'm failing somewhere else. 
And I was like, that is so hard. <laughs> That's so yeah. tough. But she's like, every time you see me win an Emmy, it's like means that I'm failing at being home with my kids. And that sucks. And we talk about it. And it's somewhat refreshing, if if not a little like depressing to be like, yes, it's hard to have it all. It's I don't know if it's possible to have it all. And like, if you're surviving somewhere, thriving in one way, you might feel like you're failing in another. And like, that's life. That's why the fallacy of like a balanced life, it's like to who? It looks different for everyone. Totally agree with you. Like second brain, and we give you a second brain template in system spells, but we also teach you how to make your own, which I think is more valuable than like just giving you a random template. It's not random. It took us a long time to make, but it's more helpful to understand how something works. And I think once you do, you start actually taking in information in a completely different way because it's way less passive and just like whatever in your little brain. It's more intentional. Yes, exactly. And I know that when I clear up my inbox at the end of the week and I have like 30 stories and I end up deleting 20 of them because I'm like, these suck. And then I save the ones that are really valuable. I always go back to them. I'm like, oh, right. Like I can use this. This is, and it works its way into like my understanding of the world so differently than maybe in my 20s when I used to read a lot and I just wouldn't retain information. Gotta get those highlights. (laughs) You gotta do it. You gotta do it. Okay. I have a couple more, but I think this will be my last one. So who do you want to hear? Do you want to hear Murakami? Yes. <laughs> Hold on. He's insane. <laughs> He's yeah. insane. Stephen King, Simone mm. Beauvoir, or Georgia O'Keeffe? Well, I or think should I just give you the cliff notes for all of them? Yeah, cliff notes. Okay, okay. I was going to say, or you have to go over them in system spells, whichever you don't say. <laughs> okay. So Murakami is absolutely batch it. (laughs) It's insane. He says, when I'm in writing mode for a novel, I wake up at 4 a.m. and work for five to six hours. And then he runs 10 kilometers and swims for 1500 meters, reads a bit, listens to some music and goes to bed at 9 p.m. And I keep to this routine every day without variation. Like the repetition is the most important thing, just like Twyla. And he says, it's a form of mesmerism. I mesmerize Mm -hmm. myself to reach a deeper state of mind. But to hold such repetition for so long, six months to a year, requires a good amount of mental and physical strength. In that sense, writing a long novel is like survival training. Physical strength is as necessary as artistic sensitivity. Just like you're like just like Patty Smith, like it's labor, you know? Yes. There's even more, like <laughs> there's even more to him. <laughs> I think it's on YouTube. There's um, like a video where he he walks you through like his record collection and how he organizes it and how he keeps it. It's fascinating. I, I'll sh- we're gonna have so many it. good links for the show. Yeah. Like this is all. Have you ever read the the magazine Apart- Apartamento? Yes. This is like Apartamento to me. Yes, where you're that's just true. Like, okay, this is like how people live, and we're all weird. <laughs> Everyone is kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, Georgia O'Keeffe obviously lived in the maybe not obviously. It's kind of like facetious to say that, but I say it a lot, so sorry. Um, Georgia O'Keeffe lived in the desert in New Mexico, and she very much like Toni Morrison said, "I like to get up when the dawn comes," and she would eat the exact same breakfast every morning. What was it? We want to know. What does she eat? What does she wear? Hot chili with garlic oil, a soft boiled egg or scrambled eggs, and bread with savory jam, sliced fresh fruit, and coffee or tea, which sounds fucking delicious. I'm like, that is a upscale breakfast. That is a European, I don't know. 
I know. I'm like, that's like a Turkish breakfast, but New Mexico. Like, yeah. I like it. Ugh, I crave Turkish breakfast so much. It's yeah. the best. She would take a walk in the morning before her breakfast at 7 a.m. And then after she was done with breakfast, she would go work. And then she would usually break at noon for lunch and work for the rest of the day. But if she wasn't painting, because she didn't paint every day, she would do admin, garden stuff, housework, answer letters, receive visitors. But she would have specified painting days. So she wouldn't do like it that. all the time necessarily. But like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, she said those are the best days. And then Stephen King. Another insane person. Totally insane. (laughs) (laughs) He writes every day of the year, including his birthday and holidays. And he almost never lets himself quit before he reaches his quota of 2,000 words, which is a lot, I would say. Like if you sat and just wrote for 2,000 words, it would probably take you an hour. Not if you were on cocaine like Stephen King. Not if you're taking meth. Um, he, right. he was pretty, I'm pretty sure he was like consistently <laughs> high. Oh, God. 100%. Yeah. Yes. But he starts at like eight, does his lines, uh, eight or eight thirty, And then he said he's finishes sometimes at 1130 if the, if the powder really hits, but usually it takes until like 130 ish. And then the rest of the day, he just is with his family, watches Red Sox games, naps, a lot of napping. A lot of Lots napping of from napping. people. Yeah. And walks. Yeah. Yeah. And I think those were, was that everyone? No, Simone de Beauvoir. She and Jean-Paul Sartre had a very similar work schedule because they were together for a really long time. Iconic. <laughs> <laughs> Name a better couple. <laughs> Name a thoughtier couple. Um, yeah. And they would get up, have tea. And then at 10 o'clock, they would start working together until one. Then they'd go see their friends until like five o'clock. They'd go hang and then they would go back to work and continue until nine. And she said, I have no difficulty in picking up the thread in the afternoon, which I just loved that. And they would Mm. sit together in their workspace and work quietly together, which I just thought was like so cute. (laughs) You know, like they just synced up their lives. They synced up their thoughts and their schedules. And then they still made time to go see their friends. And they're like, okay, back to the studio, back to work. Mirror neurons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a funny story. You know, she and Sartre had lots of lovers outside of their relationship together. The original polyamory. (laughs) Yeah, legit. (laughs) Legit. And one of her lovers said, on the first morning, I thought to lie in bed together, but she got up, dressed, and went to her work table. You work there, she said, pointing at the bed. So I got up and I sat on the edge of the bed and smoked and pretended that I was working. I don't think she said a word for me to me until it was time for lunch. Then she went to Sartre and they lunched. Sometimes I joined them. And then in the meetings, there were rendezvous. Later, we met for dinner. And almost always, she and Sartre would go sit alone and she would offer a critique of what he wrote that day. And then after nine, she and him, the lover, would go back to the apartment to sleep. There were no parties, no receptions, no bourgeois values. We completely avoided that. It was the presence of only the essentials. It was kind of an uncluttered life, a simplicity deliberately constructed so that she could do her work. And I just thought that was like such a funny, interesting thing. But also, clearly, she had a very full life. Like she's meeting and having lovers and And living. Parties at 5 p.m., happy hours. Right. right. <laughs> Before just her second work section. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I, that's never been me. I'm like, once it's five, I'm like, and I'm done. And if you give me a glass of wine, I'm like, definitely done. Especially done. <laughs> Unless you want me to argue something I don't even really believe in. <laughs> no thoughts, just vibes. That's it. Yeah. 
So what are our biggest takeaways from all these people? I think something to note is that these people at the times that we are are reporting on their habits Mm -hmm. are in a good place in their career, are quite settled. Or Or are dead. (laughs) Yes. No. (laughs) I mean, at the times. Right, right, right. Or dead. Yes. Some of them, I guess, are still alive. And most of us don't have like the whole day to just make art and curate our schedule. And it's something that we aspire to. But that's just something to note that all of these people are in a particular situation for various reasons that that's what they're doing all day. So don't feel dismayed. Well, I also think when you really look at and break down their work schedules, most of them only work for three to four hours. You know, they're working like from... Like deep work. Yeah, exactly. They're working from nine to two or yeah. like Anne Rice. I just need three to four uninter- uninterrupted hours and I'm good. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's right. And we so rarely offer that to ourselves, even mm-hmm. if we're our own bosses, yeah. like three to four hours of un- uninterrupted time. When yeah. do you really give that to your schedule? Hardly no, ever. True. There's so much in our current lifestyles that are trying to pull us out of that constantly that to do that, whether it's a weekend, whether it's your own schedule, own time, or before and after you're doing something else, requires a lot of effort. Yeah. Like sometimes physically, but definitely mentally. Like you really have to be, you have to have strong boundaries for sure, but you have to be very, very good at saying no to a lot, even if that's just the messages popping up on your screen. You have to respect yourself as much as you respect other people Mm. because if you make time on the calendar for yourself, if you made a meeting with someone else, you would never cancel with them 10 minutes before. You would never show up 30 minutes late to a meeting with somebody else, but we do it to ourselves all the time. It's like, oh man, (laughs) that's not not how I I treat other people. Why am I treating myself in this way? Mic drop. Well said. (laughs) It's it's so difficult. (laughs) But I think actually to the point of the last of Simone de Beauvoir. Oh, thank you for the French. Yeah, I think in that situation, like they were interdependent. They were like, we're work buddies. We Mm -hmm. are helping each other out and we're keeping each other on schedule. And I think it's okay if you're like, I have tried all these ways to keep myself accountable to myself, but it is the hardest thing in the world for many reasons that could be true. And knowing that about yourself and then figuring out, okay, what is the system I can create? Whether that means I get a membership to a co-working place or mm-hmm. I have a friend that I always meet on this day at this time at the same cafe that is committed to doing this with me. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Yeah. Or I just turn my Zoom on yeah. with another friend or someone in yeah. the Holisticism Hub or a North yeah. Node member. And we both work with our Zoom cameras on. Or we've exactly. actually, you want to hear a really good hack? Mm. Actually sharing your screens, sharing both your screens at the same time. Oh, that's so good. So that you can see that like the other person's not online shopping. Here is my derm store cart. <laughs> <laughs> it is full and interesting. <laughs> it's been a hard week. <laughs> Um, uh, that haunted cart will be up and good for you. So if you want to go check it out, <laughs> if you want to hear more about Derm Store, 
<laughs> they're blending together. But yeah, I think also there are a lot of intentional breaks, whether it's exercise, going for a walk, seeing friends. I feel like within all of these schedules, there's an understanding of you need to change your environment um, mm-hmm. to be able to also change your mind and your creative output. Yeah. And like the idea that in some ways we're like not capable of doing things, right? Like Mm -hmm. we are weak. (laughs) We are human. And if I don't set my day up in this way, if I don't acknowledge my shortcomings, like my inability to focus after 5 p.m. or my inability to work before I've had three cups of coffee, who am I trying to fool? (laughs) Like who am I trying to trick? It really only hurts me. And it's not a reflection on whether I'm a good artist or a good creator or a good person or a smart person. Mm -hmm. It's just how I am. And I think so many of us have tried to fit into a nine to five schedule or a seven to three school day and not found that suitable or beneficial for our life, our process, the way that we exist in the world. And we're like, oh, that must mean that there's something wrong with me because I like can't work for eight hours straight. Far from it. It just means that like that doesn't work for you. And the goal of system spells is to help you figure out what does work for you Mm -hmm. so that you can like do your sacred work and also have fun and rock out with your cock out, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I well, that's the thing, is like a good system and good boundaries and constraints are actually more freeing. Amen. We all love we love a little bit of structure. Yes. Even if you think you don't. (laughs) You kind of like it. I think that's That's it. it. That's the show. Let us know what habits you like in other artists or do yourself. Mm -hmm. We want to hear from you. Yeah. If you have a poll, go on to your Spotify because Apple Music is great for reviews. Yeah, great for reviews. Spotify is also, if you're already using it, which most people are, (laughs) also great for podcasts. And we like to pose some questions and we have some questions up. We like to hear from you. It's an easy way to answer if you don't feel like writing in or sending a voice note, which you can also do. Which we're happy. We're happy to hear from you. We love to hear from you. Yeah. So let us know who your favorite creators of present or past are and what their habits are that you want to share because there are a zillion that we obviously didn't mention. Mm-hmm. We mentioned some big guns, but there's a ton we don't know. And also... If you're thinking about system spells, you should join us over the weekend in June, June 18th, 19th. Yep, 18th and 19th. It's going to be really fun. I promise for a weekend of school, it's going to be great. Especially, like I said, if you're someone who loves to binge concepts because squiggly brained people tend to really enjoy that. I think this mm-hmm. you're going to like absolutely love this. So we'll see you there. If you want to learn a little bit more about system spells, there is a whole class that I taught on Monday, hour one, and we'll drop the link below in, uh, it's on YouTube, and there's a really great template to get you started with Notion and Monday, hour one, which is part of what we teach, like, that's just the tip of the iceberg of what we teach inside system spells. So we'll put the links below so you can grab them and you can kick around with Notion and see if you like it. Monday hour one in itself is life-changing. Like whether you end up using Notion or not and you use a different software, but Notion is the best. It's it's so, so helpful. Yeah, it really is such a game changer. Like, and when I don't do it and I'm like, maybe I'll figure out a better system. I never do. Like, Mm -hmm. it's the best one. It really is. Okay, cool. See you guys next week. Love you. Bye. 
Hypothesis is produced by yours truly, Wallace Miller Blanchard. Our theme music is made by Nathan McKay, and our wonderful editing is done by Softer Sound Studios, who you can find more information about in our show notes.